Hey, my name is TJ and I'm one of the pastors here and I'm excited to start this new series called God Is. And really the, the whole idea behind this series is, is I want people to understand who God is, you know, who God is for your life. What is the nature of God? Because a lot of times we hear and we come here and, and we're big on, you know, helping you to feel good about yourself and hear some practical things and all that. But sometimes we miss out on the very nature of God. And I think if we have a true understanding and a true grasp of the nature of God and makes living our lives for God so much easier because we know the attributes of God and we know that, that God is faithful to, to everybody the same. There is, there is no difference in any person that he's gonna treat them differently. And so if we know the nature and the attributes of God, then we can stand firm on those truths and know that God is gonna do something incredible in each and every one of our lives. And so today, man, we're just gonna, we're just gonna dive in and we're gonna start looking at some things. And so if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn it to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you don't know where that is, that's in, in the Old Testament. And uh, if you don't have the Bible, you can look in your notes or you can look up on the screen. You can also take out your phone and hit up the little squiggly thing in the right-hand corner. That's called a QR code and, and scan that in your phone and all the notes will come up. And uh, it's a, just a great way for you to know what's happening. But we're gonna be hanging out in 1 Kings chapter 17. We're gonna be looking at a guy in the Bible named Elijah, who is probably one of the greatest men who ever lived the face of the earth. And I mean, he did some pretty, pretty incredible things. But before we get into that, I wanna kind of set the stage for what is happening in Elijah's world? What's taking place right there? And so prior to Elijah coming along, there's been 19 generations of, of kings of, of the, the area of uh, Israel. And uh, of those 19 kings, 19 of them were wicked and evil. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I was in a country and my leader, you know, in our country, our leader is the president. If we had 19 of those in a row, some of you guys might think that we have, I don't know your politics, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, if you had 19 leaders or kings or, or queens, or maybe you have a dictator in a row that are evil, you're gonna know that your country is is in pretty bad shape. And basically what's happening is, is when Elijah's coming on the scene, it's been 19 generations in a row over the last 200 years of just evil kings ruling the area of Israel. And so it's a, it's a time that is just really, really bad. And the king that happens to be there ruling Israel at that time is a guy named Ahab. And the Bible says that Ahab was the most wicked of all the kings that had been up to this point. And so, man, that's a, that's a pretty bad thing. And, and what makes matters worse is that, is that Ahab Ahab's wife, her name is Jezebel, which I'm, heard you, I'm sure you've heard that name. And, and sometimes people refer to women as a Jezebel as in a bad thing. And so you know where we get that from because she was even worse than he was. She, it, they say that she was the worst woman who ever lived on the face of the earth. So we have this really wicked king and then we have an even worse woman behind him. So, I mean, you understand the saying, you know, behind every great man is an even greater woman. Well, behind every wicked dude is an equally and worse, even worse woman. And so, you know, this dude's just not got it going on in the family room, but basically this, this kingdom is just totally wicked. And there are some crazy things going on. Um, over, the, over the, the previous generations, before these 19 generations, the children of Israel have always worshiped God, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then all these kings have come in and especially Ahab, they've turned them to worshiping false gods and they're worshiping the God of Baal and they're worshiping, worshiping the God of Asherah and they're doing all these things and, and there's all kinds of immorality that's running rampant 
rampant throughout the land and, and they're going into temples and they're defiling the temples and you know, they're sacrificing children as worship. And so parents would come in and sacrifice their own children. They're, they're have, there's prostitution in the temples and they're doing all these weird sexual things. And I mean, just tons of gross stuff is happening that's just completely outside the realm of what God originally set up the children of Israel to look like. And, and so this is all happening and, and it's just a season of wickedness. And you would think that in this time, uh, God just eventually says, I have had enough, man. I'm sick of this uh, immorality that's happening. I'm sick of the wickedness that's happening. And you would think that God would get sick of this kingdom. And what he would do is he would send an army to come and overtake the kingdom because that's the logical thing, right? You know, if you've got a kingdom that's, that's wicked and you wanna overcome it, you send an entire army. Well, God does something a little bit different. Instead of sending an army to overtake um, Ahab and, and Jezebel and that kingdom, he decides to send one man. And I wanna say to you, you know, God, a lot of times in his situations when there is some, something that is happening, he doesn't send up a, he doesn't raise up an army of people to do things. He usually raises up one person to do something incredible to make a difference. And I wanna say to you today that maybe today, God is raising up some of you guys to do something incredible against an injustice that's happening in this world. Maybe an injustice that's happening in life. Maybe you're a, a teenage girl and, and, and God is raising you up to take a stand uh, uh, with morals and with values and with your sexuality and saying, you know what, I'm going to live a life of sexual purity. I'm not going to give in to, to sleeping around. Maybe there's some of you guys that are out there that are business owners and God is saying, you know what, it's time for me to step up and live a life of integrity. I'm not going to go and I'm not going to do unscrupulous deals anymore. I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to take a stand here in the business world. Maybe some of you, God is calling you into politics and he's calling you to be truthful and he's saying, you know what, you're not going to go around and take shady ways around to get to objectives. And God is calling people to something particular. He's calling all of us to something. God has an awesome purpose and plan for every single one of our lives. And he's, he's not raising up tons of people to do things. He's raising up one person and saying, man, I've got, given you a call. I've given you something to do, man. And I want you to stand up against injustice and do something. And so today, uh, that's exactly what God is doing through this man named Elijah that we're gonna be studying today. And, and I really wanna set the foundation. So I want you to really understand uh, the, the basis for everything, because I believe that when we look at the story of Elijah, we're gonna see some things that are gonna be critical for us to really understand the nature of God. But right in Elijah's name is something that I think is really critical for us to understand. Elijah is broken down into a three-part name, L-I-J-A. So in all, it spells Elijah and L stands for uh, Elohim or it stands for God. And the I is a, is a pronoun for my or mine. And so in the, in the um, Je stands for Jehovah. And so basically it's saying the Lord is God. That's what Je Elijah's name literally means. It means the Lord is God or, or my God is Jehovah. If you're taking notes, it's, it literally means my, my God is Jehovah. And, and so right in the very beginning, he is, he's making this stand. And so God raises up this prophet to stand against, uh, they stand against Ahab and he's, and, he's, and he's saying, man, you know, just from the very nature of who God made me to be, it's proclaiming the Lord God is the one true God. My God is Jehovah. And so we pick up this story in 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse one, if you have your Bibles. And, um, you know, it's setting the stage for right happening, what's happening here. But before anything really happens in the story, 
the first thing that Elijah has done is he's identified by where he is. And it would be like saying, you know, oh, TJ, he's from Chicago or, or Shayla, she's from Bradenton or Eberly, she's from Michigan or Ivan, he's from Puerto Rico, you know, and it's identifying the person based on their location of where they came from, not who they really are. And so many times we get identified by our past or our, our parents or our careers rather than who we really are. And right here, what's happening is, is he's being identified by where he's from, but it's says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, and he's identified from where he's from, and that will change here throughout the story. And it goes on to said, then he said to King Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve. And you can see right here, he's, he's just straight up throwing down a challenge. He's saying, listen, I know that you serve a whole bunch of other gods. I know that you're serving all these different things that are happening, but I want you to know where I stand in life. I don't serve your gods. I don't serve those gods. I serve the one true God. I serve Jehovah. I serve the God for who my name is made from. My God is Jehovah. And he, and he takes that stand in and he says, and he starts, and basically he's picking a fight with Ahab. He's saying, what's up, bro? What do you got? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it out. I'm stating my ground. What are you gonna do about it? And then he goes, the Lord who lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, this was a pretty big deal. You know, if this was like a movie and this was an epic film and, you know, it was, you know, in the scenes, they're always building up the music. They'd be building up the music here right to this point. And when he says, man, it will not rain for years, it would be like a bomb drop. The music would stop. It'd be that huge, tense moment in a movie. And basically that's what he does, man. Uh, Elijah doesn't come out and say, listen, you know what? There's not gonna be rain for like a week or there's not gonna be rain for a month or a couple months. He says, man, there's not gonna be rain till for years until I say, except for at my word. When I say something, man, it's gonna change. Now, if we were to put that into context, you know, uh, of, of where we're at today, we would look around at our economy right now and we would say we're in an economic slowdown. I mean, I think we would all say that, you know, there's our unemployment rate is in the teens. You know, they say 9%. We know it's a lot higher than that. We see all the broke people on the side of the road. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, our economy's going pretty bad. You know, uh, you know, the, the, where there's not very many loans that are happening that are out there. You know, the job markets is, is tough right now. You know, we're in an economic slowdown. Well, if it doesn't rain in this time, their whole economy is based on agriculture. It would be like a complete and total economic meltdown. It would be, the economy would totally shut off. It would be done. It'd be like today saying that, you know what? Uh, you know, you might have money in a bank, but you can't even go to a bank and get money because the banks aren't loaning money. It'd be like, you know what? We might have unemployment but it would be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90%. I mean, this would be a complete and total economic shutdown. You would go to the store and you'd wanna buy food, but there would be no food there because the agricultural business hasn't been able to harvest crops because they don't have the money to, to use their machinery to do that. And all of a sudden, our entire world is falling apart. People are starving to death because it would be a complete and total economic meltdown. And um, it would just be a horrible, horrible thing. And so, the man of God stares down this evil king and he says, man, there is not gonna be any more rain. Man, and this took tremendous faith to do so. I mean, here comes this guy, Elijah, who's really a nobody in everybody's mind, but he's a somebody in God's mind. And he just throws down the gauntlet and says, you know what? This has gotta change. Something's gonna stop. He is picking a fight with this dude. It'd be like in high school when somebody starts picking a fight, everybody gathers around and they're like, fight, fight, fight. You guys all remember that, especially when the girls were fighting. They go crazy. 
crazy. And everybody would want to watch. And, and basically he sees it. And you would think that, man, these two dudes are about to scrap, man. They're about to throw down uh, on the hoedown. And it's going to be awesome. You know, somebody's about to get a black eye. But God does something a little bit different in this story. You would think that there's going to be a fight right there. But God takes Elijah into a season of hiding. And we're gonna watch over the next little bit as we unfold this story that God takes Elijah away so he can do something in him. He takes him away and because there's so much that God wants to do through him, he knows that, that in this, this place that he's in that he needs to go through a deep season of preparation. He needs to go through a season of preparation and God's saying, man, there's so much I need to do in you so I can do so much through you. And so many times in life, we think, man, I, God, I wanna just go storm the, the, the hill right now. Man, I'm ready to do this, man. I've got a word from God. I, I've got this thing and I wanna take off and I wanna do it right now. And so many times, God, God wants us to get to that point. God wants us to storm that hill, but not until we're ready, not until we got the internal things worked out so that when we go there, the internal is ready for the external to come along. And God is right here is saying, man, there is some preparatory work that I need to do in each and every person. And I think there's some preparatory things. There are some seasons of life that all of us are gonna go through, that all of us have been in, maybe some of us still are in, that we're gonna see that where God is trying to do not something through us, but something in us. Because the most powerful thing that can happen in our lives is God does something in us that causes God to do something through us, not the other way around it. Because we all want God to do something through us. I mean, how many of us want God to do something through us? I mean, honestly, we all want to be used by God. I mean, we all want that. But very few of us want to pay the price internally to get the character, to get the integrity necessary so that when we do those things, we can handle everything that comes around with it. And God is saying right here, man, there is a season of preparation that I want to do in every single person's life so that I can do something through people after I do something in them. And so we're gonna see here today, and the first one, if you're taking notes, is what God, what I call God takes him through a season of isolated pain, where he is extremely alone, where, I mean, he's just in this lonely, lonely season. He's got no one else to call out to. He's got nowhere to go. And uh, this is a very, very private season of hiding. And we pick it up in verse two and three, and it says, it says, then immediately after he said, man, no more rain. Immediately after he said, there's gonna be no more rain. Then the Bible says, it says right after that, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here and turn east and hide in Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. Now, can I get all of you guys to say Kareth Ravine? Say Kareth Ravine. Say it like you mean it, Kareth Ravine. One more time. For your mama. Much better. For your mama always works. Uh, I don't know why. So Kareth Ravine, if you're taking notes, that word Kareth there, it means to cut off or it means to be cut down. And what it's saying, man, is he's saying, God's taking him to this place where he's getting cut off from the source. He's getting cut off from the blessing. He's, it's very literally means to cut you down like you would chop wood to a tree. And what God is saying is he's saying, you know what? I need to get you to a place where I can take you down of everything that thinks that makes you think you can do it on your own. I need to get you to that place where you can be humble enough to realize that in all of your greatest strength, you are as weak as they come. And when you start to realize that you can't do it, that you're not strong enough, and you start to, start to turn from your own ways and you start to look towards my ways, that's the place where I need to take you to. I need to take you to this place where I can prepare you, where I'm, where I'm gonna humble you privately before I use you publicly. And it's, it is gonna take you down privately. He's gonna take us down privately. He's gonna take us down where nobody else can see us so we can work out the things in our life so that when he brings us around publicly, he can do the things through us that he wants to do in us. And a lot of times people are in a season of what I call the Kareth Ravine 
They're in this season of pain and they're going, God, where are you? I thought you were here, man. I thought you were right here in this place. Where did you go? Where, why did you leave me? I don't understand why I'm in this season. And God takes us there. And so many times we think that God has left us, but God is right there in our lives and he's doing a deep, deep work in our lives. It's a lot like uh, this little bird that was, I heard the story of this bird and he was uh, flying south for, for winter and, and he got a late start, you know, and a late start always sets you off the wrong way. It always makes me mad when I leave somewhere late. And so he got a late start flying south for winter. And as he's flying, a huge snowstorm comes in and it's, it's snowing and it's, it's hailing. And, and as he's flying along, his wings are getting heavier and heavier and heavier because of the snow and the ice. And pretty soon his wings get frozen and all of a sudden he dive bombs into the ground, you know. And uh, I mean, it's crash landing. It's not looking pretty for this bird. And so he's on the ground. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. My wings are frozen. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna die out here in the middle of this field. This is horrible. My life sucks. And he's just in this self-pity mode. And all of a sudden a cow comes and walks over him and takes a dump on him. And, uh, you know, you can all say that's gross. I mean, because, come on, that's gross. And so this, this cow dumps on him. And I mean, he's like, couldn't it get any worse? I mean, I just got frozen out of the air and fell to the ground at crash landing. And now I'm getting crapped on in life. I mean, this is horrible. And so he's sitting there wallowing in his sorrows. But one thing about fresh manure is that it's kind of warm. And uh, if you've never experienced it. Um, and so he... <laughs> Apparently I have, I don't know. Uh, and so, you know, in that warmth, he notices that his wings are starting to thaw out. And he's like, man, this is, this is great. And he starts to, starts to flap him a little bit, starts to move him a little bit. And he's getting pretty pumped about it. He's getting excited because his wings are starting to, to thaw out. And, and all of a sudden he starts chirp, 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 chirp. He's chirping all over the place because he just jacked up. He's like, man, I'm gonna be able to fly out of here. And before he knows it, uh, one of Satan's leading creatures, the cat comes over and digs him out and eats him and kills him. And he dies. Very encouraging story. But there's some great lessons out of this story. <laughs> great lessons. First one is this, is everyone who drops manure on you is not your enemy. Number two is everyone who digs you out is not necessarily your friend. And the third thing is, is when you're in a pile of crap, keep your mouth shut, you know? <laughs> just, just pretty simple. Some of you right now, man, you're just going through some stuff. I mean, honestly, you, you feel like your, your life may be a pile of crap. You feel like, man, I'm in that season of unbelievable pain. I'm in that season of, of Kareth Ravine where I'm right there, man. I'm being broken. I'm being, I'm being humbled. I'm being just taken down further and further than I ever wanted to go. And I'm being cut down. And things that I used to depend on, man, I, I can't really depend on them as much as I used to. And I want to tell you that God, God has, has not abandoned you. God has not forsaken you. But you got to understand that God is doing something in you right now. God is doing something in you that he can't do in any other season of your life. And that is he's humbling you. He's teaching you some things that you couldn't learn any other way because he knows that in this season that if we can grab a hold of what he's doing in us, he can do a lot more through us can do a lot more through us. Now, I'll never forget just a, a, almost four years ago when, when I experienced this season in my own life, you know, in, in a preparation for it. I remember going to my pastor and, uh, and telling him that, 
I felt like God had really called me to plant a church, you know? And when you, when you, you get a revelation from God, you think, man, it's, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be perfect, you know? And I remember going to Pastor Randy, who, who I love with all my heart. I mean, he's one of my best friends in life. In fact, I was talking to him this past Friday and we were just, we were just celebrating all that God is doing in our church. And he's, he's just so encouraged and just can't wait to come back down here this year sometime, at some point and just, just share with you guys and just celebrate all that God's doing. But I, I remember going to him and, and telling him I was gonna plant a church. And you know, when you you, when you tell somebody your dreams, you're expecting them to, to, to tell you something. And, and I remember him saying, man, I, I've got like one word for you, man. I've just got something for you. I got to tell you, and, you know, and I'm expecting, man, he's going to tell me like, TJ, you're like the most anointed dude I've ever seen. You're going to go and thousands of people are going to flock to you. You're going to snap your fingers and all of the city is going to get saved. You know, you, you expect really exciting things like that, don't you? You know, when you want something good from somebody, you were like, give me something good that I can grab a hold of. And, and so I was expecting something like that. And I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. So my, my pastor is about to give me some, some a fresh revelation that he's gonna just pour on me and it's gonna, it's gonna ignite the fire within me. And he says, TJ, I'm gonna tell you one thing and it's a promise. It's a promise that I'm gonna give you. What you're about to do is gonna be the hardest and most painful thing you've ever done in your entire life. And I promise you this, that God is gonna break you. And I'm like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That is the greatest word I've ever gotten. You know, that wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting something good, not like your life is about to suck for the next couple of years. You know, none of us are really looking for that word. Like, can you please tell me what God thinks your life's gonna suck for three years? You know, no, nobody's, nobody's looking for that. And I remember walking away from that, I was like, great. You know, this is gonna be awesome. Thanks for the encouragement, Randy. You know, uh, like everybody should come to you when they need to be depressed. Uh, I've been in counseling ever since. I've, I've almost worked my way through it. But, but I remember going through just, just different times and it would be horrible and it, I'd feel like I'm, I, was, I, I was in that broken place and I'd call him up and I'd be like, man, life sucks right now. Am I broken yet? You know, and I, I'd be like pondering and asking him questions. Am I broken? He'd be like, nah, you're not broken yet. You'll know. And I'd call him up another time and be like, this is happening, man. It's horrible. Am I broken? You know, because I, I wanted to get this season over with because don't we all want to get out of this season? I mean, we don't want to stay in that season. Nobody likes being crapped on. You know, nobody likes that season of pain and suffering. And, and, and finally, just this past year, I went through a season where, man, it was the most painful season of my life. I was, I was emotionally drained. I was, I was spiritually depressed. I was, I was physically, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't even want to come to church. I was like, you know, they, they want me to come to church and talk, but they don't even like me. I don't like them. I, you know, I just want out of this. And, and, and I remember going through that season and it, and it was in that season that, that God broke me. I didn't have to ask anybody. I didn't have to uh, seek anybody's counsel. Like, did God break me? No, I, I knew I was broken. I knew that God was doing something in me because it was one of the worst times of my life. You know, and, and people ask me all the time, you know, like, TJ, where do, you, where do you come up with all these great stories about your life? Do you make all that stuff up? No, no, it's all the, all the brokenness that's happened in my life. They're, they're some of the most painful things, but when it's, it's when I'm broken that God does something amazing in me. And I wanna tell you something today, when you're broken in life, when you're going through some of those seasons and it's so, so painful and you think there's no way I'm gonna make it out of this, man, God is doing some of the most incredible things in you right now so that later on he can do something through you. So later on, he can do something through you. And A.W. Tozier, who is a great pastor out of Chicago and writer, he said this. He said, it's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. It's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. And so those of you that are in Kareth Ravine, right now you're in that season where you're just being broken, where you're just in pain and you just feel like you've been abandoned. 
Be encouraged because God is doing something in you right now that he couldn't do at any other point in your life. And so you gotta recognize that even though you're in this season and you feel all alone and like nobody is there, let me just tell you something, God is right there with you. God is right there with you. And he's doing something internally in that season of isolated pain. He's shaping you so that he can take you to the next season, which is this this season where God is molding and shaping and, and putting power into Elijah's life. And it's this second season of total dependence, if you're taking notes. He's where he's teaching Elijah total and complete dependence on God where, where he can't depend on anything in his life, but he can only depend on God. In verse four, five, and six, it says this, Elijah, will you drink from the brook that I've ordered the ravens to feed you there? So he did what the Lord told him and he went to Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and the bread and the meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Now, first, before we really dive into this, let me just say something. For all of you guys that are like vegetarians and vegans that are out there, I just want you to see something because this is gonna be fresh revelation to you. If there's any of you out there, Blake, the guy that with the red hair that does announcements, he's a vegan, I give him a hard time. So I shared this with him this week. I want you to see what God brought the man of God when he was isolated and by himself, he didn't bring him carrots. He didn't bring him vegetables. He didn't bring him tofu. He brought him meat. So uh, if you're a vegetarian or something out there, God right there, word for you, eat meat. I don't know. Uh, So basically he's in, is in the middle of this drought and, 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 and here's Elijah and God supernaturally in the middle of a drought, he creates a brook and this brook is, is watering, uh, giving water to Elijah. And then, and then God just sets up like the most awesome uh, supernatural delivery service called the Ravens that bring meat and bread every day to Elijah. I mean, that's a pretty incredible catering service that God has available to us. And so he's providing everything that Elijah needs in that time. And, and during this time, what was God doing there? God was clearly and evidently stating that no matter what you're going through in life, no matter how bad it seems, no matter how lonely you are, no matter where you end up in your life, man, I am faithful and I will provide everything that you need. I will take care of everything that you need to be dependent on. Man, I am there and I will make sure that it happens. And right now, some of you are in a season where you used to trust in some things for your security and those things are starting to slip away and you don't feel real secure anymore and you don't have anything to trust in. And today you need to stop trusting in those things and start trusting in the giver of life. You need to start trusting in the one who gives security, who made security, who is security. And that is the Lord our God. And because this is what I know, all this stuff, that we try to put our trust in is gonna fade away, but there is gonna be one thing that remains. And the one thing that is gonna remain is gonna be God because God is faithful in our lives. And, and, and the single moms know this well. In fact, I found this story of a single mom. She, was, uh, she loved God with all of her heart, man. She worshiped God. In fact, every day she would be in her house and she'd be praying to God and she'd be worshiping God. She'd be singing songs. The only problem was is that she had really thin walls in, in, her, in her apartments. And so her neighbor was an atheist. And, and every Every day he would hear this lady, this single mom, uh, praising God and praying. And he'd be like, man, she is an idiot, man. Doesn't she know that there isn't a God? And, and so every day this would be happening. And, and finally, there was one month where there happened to be more month than there was money. I know some of us have experienced that there, you know, where we just don't have enough. And this single mom was like, man, what am I gonna do? I don't have any money to buy groceries for my kids. God, I need you to provide groceries for my kids, man. I need, I need some money to make this happen. And, and the, 
the atheist guy was like, man, he was hearing this. He's like, man, I'm gonna show her what's up. And so he goes to the store and he buys her a ton of groceries. He buys all these groceries and he goes to her front door and he puts it on the front door and he knocks on the door and he runs away. And she comes to the door and she opens the door and she sees all the groceries and she starts shouting it down. She starts celebrating. She starts praising God and she's going crazy. And this atheist runs up and he goes, you're an idiot. God didn't provide that stuff. I did. And she starts praising God even more. She's like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Shout it down, somebody. She does a victory lap around the church or something. I don't know. So she's going crazy. And he's like, why are you going crazy? And she's like, because my God provided and he used the devil to pay for it. And I wanna tell you something, man, your God is gonna provide and he's gonna use the devil to pay for it sometimes. Man, God is faithful. God is faithful forever and always. God says, man, I will be your provider. I will be your all in all. I will, you can depend on me when you can't depend on anything else because I am true and I am always there for you. I would never leave you. I will never forsake you. Man, I am your all in all. I am your everything. I will always be there in that place. And God is making a point right now. He's making a point saying, man, whatever you need, I will provide it. And he's making that point with Elijah because here's the deal. Uh, he could have provided food for Elijah for two weeks. He could have provided it for him for two days. He could have provided it for two months. But what did he do? He was teaching him daily dependence. And so he would bring a raven every single day to provide that because he wanted him to learn, man, to trust God. And some of you today, you're gonna need to learn that today. You're gonna need to learn that, man, you're in this season where you're hurting and you're alone and you're afraid, but guess what? God delivers enough for your day. God delivers enough for you. Some of you, you're in an uncomfortable situation. You're in a season where, man, you're afraid. And God says, man, I will be your comfort in this season. Some of you, you don't have much right now. And God says, man, I will be your all in all. I will be your everything. I will be your provision for today. Some of you, you're feeling very, 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 very weak today. And God's saying, you know what? You may be weak, but man, I'm gonna be your strength today. I'm gonna be that thing. Some of you, you feel like all of your friends have left you and God says, man, I will stick closer to you than a brother. Man, there is nothing that can, that can separate us. There is nothing that can break us apart. Some of you, man, are just going through some things. And let me just tell you is this, is that God is exactly what you need for this moment. He is exactly what you need for this moment. And Elijah, he learns to depend on God for that day and God is teaching him and he's breaking him and he's cutting him and he's molding him and he's shaping him and he's humbling him. And even when he has no ability to provide for himself, God says, man, I'm gonna be your provider. I'm faithful to do this. And the third thing that God does is he takes him through a season of what I call unconditional obedience. There's isolated pain, there's total dependence, then there's a season of unconditional obedience. Verses seven, eight, and nine, this is where the story breaks down. The Bible says sometime later, what happened is, is that sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came and it said, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Now let's put ourselves in the prophet's place because that's one of my favorite things to do as I'm reading scripture. As I, as I think about what would I do if I was in this situation? You know, and I'm thinking about the situation, you know, God has... God caused me to throw the gauntlet down with this king that could kill me. And he's taken me to this isolated place and he's, he's provided all of my needs and he's teaching me dependence. And then all of a sudden, God takes away everything that I've been depending on. And I'd be like, God, what's up with that? What's up with that? Come on, for real? Did I miss you somewhere? Did you, were you saying something to me that I didn't get? And I'm sure there's a lot of us go through seasons like that where all of a sudden something gets taken away and we're like, God, what happened there? I, I wasn't expecting that. That wasn't, that wasn't what I thought was gonna transpire in this moment. And that's exactly what's happening right there. And some of you may, you may be going, you know what? 
I don't understand this, God. Why, why is this brook dried up? Why is this brook dried up? He's gonna get, learn right here that the same God that, God that gave him the water can take the water away. And sometimes God takes those things away to give us the courage to step out and to have faith to do what he's calling us to do next. And for some of you, God may be drying up your brook right now. God may be drying up that brook and you, you've been able to trust in your job for a long time and you've been trusting that job and all of a sudden that, that brook is drying up and that job is not as secure as it used to be. For some of you, it is your security, man. You've been, you've been stuffing money away in your 401k and all of a sudden that's become a 201k and, and you don't have as much security as you used to. And that brook is drying up in your life. Some of you guys, you used to have friends everywhere. I mean, everywhere you turned, you had friends and all of a sudden those friends are starting to turn their backs on you and you're wondering where have all my friends gone and that brook is starting to dry up. Some of you, it's your relationships and your marriage. You had this incredible marriage and, and all of a sudden you've fallen on some rough times and it feels like, man, my marriage brook is drying up. Some of you, it's your relationship with God. Man, you used to be tight with God. You used to be like that, that single mom that celebrated God, that worshiped God. And, and all of a sudden that fire and that passion isn't there anymore. And that, that brook seems like it's drying up. And God may be drying up that brook to cause you to move, to take some courage, to step out in faith and do something more in your life today. Because God doesn't want us to stay in the same place. He wants to move us forward. And the reason he's taking us through those seasons isn't so that we stay the same, it's so that we grow closer and look more like him. But that's gonna take us giving, getting total and unconditional obedience to him. And I know a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll hear people or preachers say, you know, uh, you know, God guides by what he provides or, you know, uh, maybe the other ones, uh, you know, where there is vision, God uh, gives provision. And, and, you know, there's all these, these great sayings and man, and, and I love those and I believe those, but I also believe that at times, there are times, I believe with all my heart that God also guides by what he doesn't provide in your life, by what he doesn't make happen in your life. And the same God who gives water may cause the brook to dry up because he's trying to give us the courage to have total obedience to him. And I know that this was true in my own life and in a, in a, in a weird kind of way, you know, when we are starting out to plant this church, I come, I come from one of the most incredible churches in America. I believe that it's, it's, it's one of the top five churches in America. There's not, there's not four better churches than it in America. I mean, it's incredible. Baseline Community Church, I love it. One of the fastest growing churches in America. Pastor is amazing. And I love my church. And, and when we went to Randy and said, man, we're gonna plant this church and he was for us and all these things, I thought it was, this, this whole season was gonna be really easy. I just thought the easiest way to do this is, is for that church, you know, it's very successful. It's, it's doing very well was for them just to write a check and just give it to us and we would just go plant this church. And I thought, man, this is gonna be easy. And that was, that was my idea of how it was gonna work. And how many of you guys know that a lot of times we have ideas about how things are gonna work, but God has a different idea. And his idea is nowhere close to, to my idea. And that wasn't how it happened. And, and I remember going, God, why are you not providing it like this? This is the way I wanted you to do it. I mean, this is my plan. Come on, you're supposed to get in line with my plan. And God's like, uh-uh-uh, I got a different plan. And he sent me on this journey of, of learning how to go out and build relationships and, and cast vision for what could and should be for our community and for our church. And, and I was, uh, thank goodness that, that God gave us the ability to go out and raise more money in, in, in our church planning organization than any other church plan had ever raised up to that point. Even still today, nobody has ever raised more money to start a church 
And, and in that season, God taught us so many things, not because of, of what he was trying to, not because he wanted us to be successful, but he was trying to do something in us so that we could teach other people how to do the same thing. And today I have more opportunities to coach church planners and, and we have more influence in church plans all over the country because of what God didn't do the way I thought he was gonna do it, but did it his own way. And I know that that's kind of a roundabout way of thinking about things about how God doesn't provide and it's confusing to me and I'm sure it's even more confusing to you. But let me put it this way. Let, any of you guys ever see the movie, The Karate Kid? Anybody like Karate Kid? Anybody dig that? I'm talking about real Karate Kid, uh, like Ralph Macchio, not Will Smith's son, that's lame. I mean, Karate Kid, I mean, you know, we. I want, I'm talking old school 80s Karate Kid, you know. Uh, I love Karate Kid. And, you know, in the beginning, Daniel's son, you know, everybody remembers Daniel's son. You know, he gets beat up by the dudes that are dressed in the, in, in the skeleton outfits. And Mr. Miyagi, he comes in and kicks the crap out of like 27 guys. And he's like a five foot two, you know, uh, karate expert. So, um, and the next day, Danielson goes to him and says, will you teach me karate? And he says, show up at my house tomorrow and I'll teach you karate. And he gets to his house and, and Mr. Miyagi goes, Danielson, paint the fence. And, and you know, and so he grabs the bucket and he's slapping it. You know, he doesn't know how to paint. He's doing all this stuff. Mr. Miyagi, no, 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 no. Paint the fence. And he shows him the painting stroke. And so Danielson, he just paints the fence. You know, he gets the stroke down. And he goes, Danielson, uh, I need you to wash the car. And so, you know, he's out there, he's scrubbing the cars and he goes, no, 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 no. I, wax on, wax off wax on, wax off. And so Danielson does that. And then, you know, he's, and then he's like, I need you to scrub the floor. And so he starts scrubbing the floor and he's like, no, 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 no. And Danielson gets mad, right? Because he wanted to learn how to, how to fight karate. He wasn't out there to be his servant. And he's pissed off. And he's like, man, I came here to learn karate. And Mr. Miyagi throws a punch and all of a sudden wax on comes off. And he blocks that punch. And then he paint the fence and paint the fence back. And and all of a sudden he realizes this entire time that he, he thought he was doing slave labor, he was really learning karate. And I wanna tell you something today. Some of you guys feel like you're in some seasons where you feel like, man, I'm going through all these motions and I'm not getting to the point where I wanna be. I'm not getting there. And God is doing something in you so he can do something through you. And he's trying to teach you right now that he is faithful no matter what season you are in. And he wants you to know his faithfulness. So when you get to the other side, you will never forget when you're in the success, who made that success happen. That it's not by your power or by your strength, but it's by the Lord. But it's by the Lord. And what happens, and, and, and I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase the rest of this for you guys because it's so good and it's so rich. And the rest of uh, 1 Kings 17, I encourage you to go home and, and read it yourself because what happens is incredible. Is, is, is Elijah, God calls him to move away. And because he's learned unconditional obedience, man, he just takes off. And he comes to this land and there's a widow that's there. And you know, because of the drought, she only has a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour left. And, and he, he feels like God has told her him to ask her for, for a meal. He's like, man, I'm hungry. You know, most dudes after they travel, they're hungry. And so he's like, make me some food. And she's like, man, I don't got any food left. I'm gonna make one more meal. And then my kids and I are gonna die. And he's like, listen, if you make me a biscuit, I promise you will not die. That oil will not run out and that flour will continue to run. And she's like, all right. And she makes him some biscuits and it was the best biscuit they ever had. I mean, it's so good to make you slap your mama. I mean, it was good. It's like the doxology from where God and all biscuits flow. I don't know. I don't just make stuff up. So you guys don't probably don't know the doxology. So, um, and so God supernaturally provides just another proof of his faithfulness. 
And just a little bit longer and further down in the story, the, the widow's son, he, he gets sick and passes away and she goes to Elijah and she goes, my goodness, you know, is this because our, 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 our people have been worshiping false gods and this, this tragedy has come upon me? And, and he's like, no, 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 that's not my God. And he takes the son, he takes him upstairs. And the first time in the history of the Bible, it happened nowhere else up until this point. Elijah gets there and he starts praying over this child and this child comes back to life. First, first baby that had ever been, or first child that had ever been raised back to life because he knew what? My God is faithful. And why did all this happen to him? Why did all this happen? Why did God take him to Kareth Ravine and cut him down? Why did God take him to a season of total dependence where he could only, only trust in God and, and get him to this place of unconditional obedience? It's because when we're in, go through all those seasons and we trust God fully, God can do a miracle through our life. And God wants to do a, a miracle through your life. And some of you right now are in a season of deep, deep pain. And God might be just saying, man, I'm doing something in you through, so that someday I can do something through you. And don't get faint of heart. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel right now because I am trying to build in you the things that you are gonna need so I can take you to the places that you always needed to go. But it has to happen in you first. And when it does, it changes everything. It changes everything. After Elijah heals that son, she comes to Elijah in verse 24. And she says, you know what? She doesn't call him Elijah, the, the Tishbite. She says, Elijah, a man of God. And I wanna tell you something. When you understand and you know God's faithfulness, you're not just TJ from Chicago or Shayla from Bradenton or Eberly from Michigan. You become a person of God a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God, because you understand his faithfulness and you don't ever forget it and you trust in it and you walk it out. And God today, man, he's taking some of you guys through some, some horrible seasons right now. Some of you guys are in this season of deep, deep pain. Man, and I feel bad for you, but let me just tell you something. God is doing something in you today. They can't do any other way. Don't hate it embrace it and trust God and see him come through. And then some of you guys, man, he's trying to, he's trying to teach you dependence right now. He's trying to strip things of you so you can be dependent not of yourself, but on him. And then other ones of you, he's telling you to do something right now and you need to get off your butt and do it. So you can see the miracle happen in your life. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today. And I just thank you so much that you are a faithful God. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the everlasting Father, man. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't ever change. And, and what you did in Elijah's life, the seasons that you took him through are the same seasons that all of us go through in our own lives. We might be in different ones right now, but you want every single one of us to know who you are, the attribute that, man, you are faithful, that you will not leave us and you will not forsake us. And today, God, I pray that no matter where we are, where we are today, we would not give up hope. We would not throw in the towel, but God, we would move forward with passion and vigor. And we would say, you know what? I, I'm not gonna live based on what's happening to me. I'm gonna trust that God is doing something through me. And that later on in God is gonna use me to impact others because of what I went through. These seasons that I'm going through are not gonna be for vain, but they're gonna be for your glory and for your honor, God. And so God, we give all these things to you today. And we say, God, man, here am I, man. I give it all, man, because I believe you are faithful. And I believe that you will never, ever, ever let me go. And so God, I just pray that, man, those people that are in deep, deep pain right now, you just comfort them. 
you just comfort them. You just breathe their security. Those that are, that are going through the, the breaking of dependence on things, man, that their dependence would be on you. And then those that you're asking to be looking for unconditional obedience to God today, they would step out in faith and trust you. And it would be magical. It would be unbelievable what would happen as they trust you and they see the miracle take place in their life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.